the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today's show is a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars. So you've heard about uh, the post-Oscar, Oscar, yeah, post-Oscar bashing, and um, you've heard all kinds of um, talk shows, I'm sure, talking about the Oscars. But this one's going to take you on a psychological tour of what went right and what went wrong, not only with the Oscars, but with some of the pictures that were being nominated for awards. And um, I want to, uh, first of all. Uh, suggest that invite you to call in uh, with your comments about what you thought about the show or what you thought about some of the movies that were being nominated, particularly the five that were up for Best Picture, The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Million Dollar Baby, the winner, Ray, and Sideways. And if you have some comments that you'd like to make about any of those movies or um, movies in general, and particularly the Oscars, do call in. And the number to call is 888-335-5204. 888-335-5204. And that's a toll-free number. Um, I was actually, I, I always watch the Oscars, and um, particularly I watch them for the acceptance speeches. And um, my biggest beef with this year's, well, pretty much with every year, but this year especially with the Oscars, is that um, they don't get it. They don't get the fact that what the audience really wants to see is the moments when the award winners come up on the stage and they're at a loss for words or they have their speech on their napkin or um they they get up there and they know they have a really short amount of time and they try to say something meaningful or try not to forget somebody's name or whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, they're scrambling to do it in the short time that is allotted to them. And that is the moment. Those are the magical moments. Those are the moments when something unpredictable happens. For the most part, the show is scripted, and um, although, of course, yes, people go off script, but... Um, these are the moments when, when you see these stars at their most vulnerable, and that is what keeps people on the edge of their feet. Um, when you go to acting class, for example, what you learn is that the audience doesn't want to see, if it's a play, for example, the audience doesn't want to see the actor do the same performance night after night after night. They want the actor to be in a mental state so that something unpredictable can happen, that each night the show is different. And that's what keeps the audience riveted on them, that it's not some kind of mechanical um, speech that's going to come out or the same way that it's been done before. Or, you know, it's the fact that the actor could fall. I mean, that's really it. We're <laughs> somewhat like a train wreck or a car wreck. We're kind of glued uh, to see who's going to make a car wreck out of themselves. But we also want to be uplifted 
And I think this year there were some incredible, too few and too short, um, but incredible moments that we'll talk about during these acceptance speeches that really were uplifting to everybody. And, um, you know, Chris Rock, and that's a whole other story we'll get into, but Chris Rock did have it right when he said um, that next year they're going to be giving out the awards in the parking lot or they're going to be having a drive-through awards show like McDonald's. People are going to just drive through, pick up their award, wave at the crowd, and that's that when really that is where the heart of the awards show should be um, in these special moments. And, of course, I think, I think there were two uh, moments that deserve special attention that, that were ones that uplifted us all. And um, those were when uh, Jamie Foxx talked about his late grandmother. Jamie Foxx, he won for Best Actor for his role playing Ray in the movie Ray. And um, he was very articulate, and particularly when he talked about how his late grandmother was, was his first acting teacher. She, she told him how to act, uh, um, you know, like he had some sense. And uh, he, he made some other jokes like that. But at the end, um, he said, you know, that, that she had passed on and that now she's still... Uh, is like his mentor talks to him, but in his dreams. And, of course, he started tearing up and said, tonight we're going to have a lot of talking to do, Grandma. And he kind of um, waved his Oscar to the sky. And it was very moving. And it was especially moving because he had his daughter there, his 11-year-old daughter, Corinne, was with him. And uh, he referred to her, and this is another moving part, when he said that Corinne told him when she, when he... Um, just before he went up to get the Oscar, Dad, if you don't win, you're still good. And that's one of those statements that kids can say, you know, when they really can cut to the chase. It's like something that you would say or he probably has said to her. Um, And that it's not whether you win or lose that determines, you know, whether you really are good. There are a lot of other things that go into it. It doesn't mean that you're bad if you don't win um, an award competing with a particular group of people. Uh, his performance was still good, whether he was, was incredible, whether he won the award or not. And it's really sweet to see those kinds of words of wisdom coming from children. The other highlight of the evening in terms of acceptance speeches was Hilary Swank. Uh, she played the boxing protege Maggie Fitzgerald in the movie Million Dollar Baby. She won for Best Actress. And um, she had won before for Boys Don't Cry. And she uh, said, I don't know what I did in this life to deserve all this. I'm just a girl from a trailer park who had a dream. Now, right then, she touched everybody's heart who was out there feeling, maybe not living in a trailer park, but having other kinds of circumstances that they need to overcome to do to, to reach their dream. The dream might be to get an Oscar, but it might be something else altogether. But the point was that when you're down at the bottom and you're feeling down and out and you're feeling like it's not going to happen to you, whatever it is that your dream is, um, she proved that, in fact, it, you can do it. You can make it if you try hard enough um, and you hold on to that dream Strongly enough, you can make it. 
same thing actually with Jamie Foxx um, because he was his parents essentially abandoned him. He was left to be cared for by his grandmother. Um, so he came from you know very down and out kinds of circumstances, if not financially, certainly in terms of uh, having been neglected by his parents. And um, Hilary Swank also, she apparently moved to L.A. with her mother, and they lived in a car while she was trying out for different roles, auditioning to be an actress in, in different productions. Um, and so it was a little unclear what had seemed like the fa- her father was estranged to some degree. So the fact that these two people could um, come from humble, sad, difficult, troubling beginnings and be standing on that stage and make incredibly moving, articulate, um, inspirational acceptance speeches was certainly the highlight of the night for me and I really think for, for pretty much everybody that, uh, that was watching. You know, I, I think, I don't know, maybe it's not cool to, uh, or maybe the, the people who um, produce the Academy Awards think that it's not cool to um, have these mushy moments. <laughs> but, in fact, those are actually um, the coolest part. And, in fact, what's kind of ironic, when you think about it, all the pictures that were up for Best Picture were essentially biopics. They were essentially biographies. Um, three of them were biographies of real people. The aviator, Howard Hughes, you know, was the biography of Howard Hughes. Finding Neverland was the um, biography of J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. And Ray, of course, was the biography of Ray Charles. And um, Million Dollar Baby, I kept feeling in that movie, I mean, it was, it was a biography not of a real person, um, but certainly of Hilary Swank's character, that was the main character that you would say it was biographical of. And I keep, kept sort of wishing that um, this was a true story when I was watching it. I kept thinking, isn't there, wasn't there, was there somebody really like this, you know, who, is this somebody's story? I mean, that, it would have been even better if it was a, a real story of somebody's life, but it felt like it was. And Sideways um, wasn't really, wasn't, certainly wasn't a biography of a famous person, but it was sort of a, it was a four-person character study. Um, and I guess there was one character that was uh, especially the center of it, but it was really sort of an ensemble of four characters, two men and two women who were looking for love in all the wrong places and um, who found themselves together through circumstance. And it was a very soulful picture that um, was biographical in a sense, you know, not technically. But the the good part of all of this, <laughs> of the selections for best picture, picture, best picture, let's start that again, was that there was not a violent picture in the group. Yay. That part, the Academy is to be congratulated, is to be awarded for the fact that in, they chose movies that... Um, were not violent, and uh, that is certainly not the way that it often is. Um, in fact, there's usually at least one violent picture in the bunch, and uh, if, if not the winner. But, um, but uh, that is something that, that really speaks volumes about, um, well, 
it's sort of very confusing. It speaks volumes about the values, the current values of the voters of the academy. But on the other hand, um, we have sort of a confusing picture because um, it was also up to not the whole academy, obviously, but um, presumably the producer and his his uh, group, <laughs> the executives, um, who decided on Chris Rock, or maybe it was the ABC network. I don't know who decided, but whoever did, it was a bad, bad decision. <laughs> And with that, we'll take a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars. So stay tuned. Informative. Educational. Insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars, 
And um, in case during this broadcast you hear any strange noises, um, I'm actually broadcasting to you today from Pacific West Studios in Los Angeles. Uh, it's a television studio where uh, satellite productions are done from, and I will be on following this um, on Court TV. In case you haven't had enough of me, by the end of the hour, you can turn on Court TV and um, at approximately 2.20 uh, Pacific Coast time or 5.20 East Coast time, um, I should be on talking about, uh, what else, Michael Jackson. Uh, today, actually, was um, the day that the jury got to hear its first witness, which was Martin Bashir, and uh, they were showing the Martin Bashir documentary. But I will not digress on that <laughs> at this point. I want to go back to the Oscars, but I did want to just um, give you a TV alert uh, in case you wanted to watch after this was over. So we were talking about the Oscars. We were talking about Chris Rock. I was talking about what a bad idea that was, and I am not the only person talking about this. It's kind of funny, though, because people were talking about what a bad idea it was before it happened, and yet it still happened. And why did it happen? Money. Why did it happen? It happened because um, ABC and the other powers that be uh, figured that Chris Rock would be able to draw in um, an additional audience, a younger demographic, a um, particularly young males um, who a lot of the advertisers wanted to target. And it's not, it's not uh, brain <laughs> surgery. It's, um, you know, it was just kind of a crass play for a certain demographic. But it bombed because, um, in fact, this year's Academy Awards, which was the 77th, annual Academy Awards, averaged 41.5 million viewers. And that was, that's a ton of viewers, but it is a 5% drop from last year. And the most, the lowest um, uh, turnout was um, 33 million viewers in 2002. Now, they relate that to, uh, they try to relate that, a lot of the stories about this are trying to relate it to the movies that were up for Best Picture. And yes, I'm sure that that has some uh, role in it, but they kind of seem to have forgotten that the Academy Awards in 2002 were after 9-11 in September 2001, and people weren't really in a movie-going or movie-watching or movie-award-show-watching mood. And I think that that had um, the most to do with it as to why there was a low turnout, uh, not the host and not the movies, and, and, you know, it was the state of the country. Um, and uh, then 1997, this year was uh, the least watched Oscars since 1997, which is when the English patient took the top awards, but again, I don't think it had to do with the English patient. I actually don't remember what, what else it had to do with from 1997, but the English patient was a very good movie, and I, I don't think that that, was, um, that that was the only reason. Now, what's interesting is um, that the young male fans, the demographic that they were trying to reach by having Chris Rock be the host they actually fell, the numbers of young males who watched the Oscars actually fell from last year. 
although there were more young women who watched, apparently. Um, well, I guess, I guess Chris appeals more to them. Um, or there could also be other reasons. But, but in any case, it was a bad choice because it, it, it kind of mirrors something that I've often talked about on this show, which is sort of the, um, the way that our society is becoming less uh, attentive about itself. Less having lower self-esteem, taking less pride in itself in general, not not trying to speak well, not trying to dress well, not caring, thinking it's cool to just um, use four-letter words, um, you know, just all the way around thinking it's cool to act like you don't care, when in fact that's the least cool thing, because um, if you start feeling or showing or acting like you don't care you then actually will start not caring, and uh, especially when we see other people around us acting like that. And then um, what's the point of life? What's the significance of life if we all are so cool that we don't care? I mean, there are so many things that we should be caring about uh, in our personal lives, in the lives of our families, our loved ones, our community, the uh, our world, um, between tsunamis and, and the war in Iraq and all of these things, all the homeless people, all the sick people, all the things that we should be caring about. I mean, do you, do you see how, how um, disconnected it is to act like and actually become like you don't care when there is more than enough to care about? And, of course, that's part of it. And that's part of the reasons why people are or some people are acting like they don't care, and that's because it's so overwhelming that it almost feels like if you care, you're going to hurt too much. You're going to hurt by things that other people say to you, do to you, disappointments that you have, and disappointments in the way that the world is, disappointments in the way that our culture is going. And there we go back to Chris Rock, disappointments in the way that the Oscars went in the way that they were conducted. Sure, he was dressed up, but um, there wasn't really anything elegant um, or particularly relevant, um, well, except maybe some of his, maybe some of his comments. But, um, I mean, it was just another way to sort of make the evening less glamorous, which is so ironic because here everybody dresses up uh, to be as glamorous as they can, and yet the substance is missing, which also, you know, parallels what I was talking about before about the substance of the award speeches. Um, it's not about Chris Rock making crass jokes. It's not about Beyonce um, singing three songs. I mean, once would have, one would have been enough. Um, it's it's not about all of these extraneous things. I mean, not that the songs are extraneous, but did anybody else notice, by the way, how um, Beyonce sang the song from Phantom of the Opera and the star of Phantom of the Opera introduced her? How hard must that have been? Here this woman sang through the whole movie and um, did an incredible job. That was another disappointment for me. I thought Phantom of the Opera should have been nominated for more categories and should have won something. That was an incredible. It was nominated for cinematography, and yes, the cinematography was spectacular. Um, and uh, and it was nominated for the, a song, 
which, um, you know, of course the music was spectacular too, but it didn't win either of these categories. And it just was so strange to have the star of the, of the movie have to introduce somebody who had nothing to do with the movie for as much as, for, for whatever I know about it. I mean, I haven't uh, been informed or, or found out um, that, that Beyonce w- was connected. It seems very unlikely that she was connected to that movie, especially when she sang two other songs from movies. So it was all just trying to um, grovel to masses, grovel for ratings, do what you think you have to do um, to get ratings while totally missing the boat. You know, obviously they thought that Beyonce singing, uh, that she was a better known name uh, and that she would have certain fans who would tune in if they knew the more songs she was singing, the more the fans would stay tuned was what they were hoping. And um, instead of doing the honors, really, to someone... Or, and it wasn't just it wasn't just fans of the opera. Actually, that was the case with a number of the songs. Well, obviously, if Beyonce was singing three of them, um, but you know, where they didn't have the right people um, singing them. So it, it just this, this catering to get ratings was just rather nauseating. And when the whole when the boat was missed in terms of what was really meaningful, um, and it didn't work. You know, maybe maybe now they'll start rethinking uh, what to do, you know, but, but maybe it's really about um, something deeper than, than making crass jokes. It's, they've tried this before with Whoopi Goldberg, and that was a failure, too. That didn't work. Uh, so then they went to somebody who they thought was a little more cutting edge, who'd be a little more crass, although on the other hand, they also um, try, made sure, tried to make sure, that Chris Rock wouldn't say anything that they could get, then get censored for, um, like Janet Jackson with her wardrobe malfunction. And Chris even made a comment about that, that there hasn't been a wardrobe malfunction so far. And, and they must have really placed his mother in the, in the front there because he talked about how um, he wouldn't say any four-letter words. He doesn't say any four-letter words in front of his mother. And so uh, I wonder whose idea it was to place his mother right in the front to make sure that he didn't do that during this whole uh, telecast. I think uh, <laughs> I think that was a good idea, whosever idea it was. But, you know, what, what people also need to think about is that not only is this an award show honoring all the people who care about movies, who work really hard in the movies, who love movies, but it's also um, international PR. This show is watched all over the world, not just in America, and people take away uh, the subtle messages and some not so subtle about what America is all about. And certainly today, it is more important than ever that people get an idea, a positive idea of what America is about. I mean, it would be, it would be even better if there um the more positive that there is in America to celebrate, the more we should be putting that on television uh, or in the media in general rather than things that, that put down our society, put down our culture. I don't mean that you can't make fun of some people and, and you know, that everything has to be super serious. Um, I mean, that's fine. And actually what that shows the world is that we're allowed to do this. We can make fun of our president and the media, and, and this is a land of freedom where we can do that. But I think we need to be a little bit more mindful of the fact that everybody is taking this in 
and deciding that this is what America is. Well, stay tuned for more uh, of my take on the Oscars. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust-busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars, and that psychiatrist would be me. Um, I would love to have you call in. Tell me what you thought about the Oscars. Uh, the number to call is a toll-free number, 888-335-5204, 888-335-5204. Or tell me what you thought about some of the movies that were up for um, 
awards or some of the people who won. I thought, I must say, this was a year when at least I thought that the people who deserved to win won. That was comforting, albeit some of the other things that were disturbing. Um, I think that, uh, I know that a number of people have been saying that they didn't like the idea of the people who were nominated standing up on the stage and then the award, uh, the winner being announced. They said that it's, uh, it seemed too much like a beauty pageant contest <laughs> where you have the fifth runner-up and the fourth runner-up and so on. But, I mean, I think maybe there could be a better way of doing it, but I actually think that having the other nominees, all the nominees up on the stage, um, although, yes, it is awkward <laughs> when um, just one of them or, you know, one group uh, wins, it still gives the other people a chance to be on the stage and to be recognized, you know, not just to have the camera go on them, and that's really only for the people in the television audience. Um, so at least they they get their faces on television and they get their peers, uh, the movie industry, the other people who are there, to recognize them literally um, as well. And so I think that, that there's probably a better way of staging it but I think it was kind of nice being able to have all the nominees uh, be honored, at least by standing on the stage. Of course, that was pretty ridiculous, having the uh, some other lesser, so-called lesser uh, winners get their Oscar from the uh, from the auditorium floor in order to save time for them to not have to walk to the podium, to the stage. But um, you know that goes to what I was saying before about how they're going to be giving them out in the um, parking lot next year and missing the best part, which is the acceptance speeches. Let's talk about some of the movies that um, were nominated for Best Picture. We'll start with the winner, Million Dollar Baby, uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, uh, starred in <laughs> by Clint Eastwood, um, and Hilary Swank and Morgan Friedman. Uh, uh, Morgan Freeman won for Best Supporting Actor. Hilary Swank won for Best Actress. And, um, and Clint Eastwood won for Best Director. So they all um, got something. And now why was it that that was such an appealing movie? That's what I love to do every Oscar time, is try to get into the heads of the people in the Academy who are voting and figure out um, why on a psychological level they would um, uh, vote for a particular picture or not vote for another one. And... Um, I think, you know, I think it's really fascinating that this year three of the Best Picture nominees were biographies of real people, and um, the other two seemed like biographies um, of an ensemble cast, and that was Million Dollar Baby. It seemed like a biography of, of Hilary Swank's character who played this woman, this young woman who wanted to become a boxer, and gets Clint Eastwood to um, become her manager. And it's hard to not give away uh, <laughs> the ending. So if you haven't seen Million Dollar Baby yet, um, tune out for the next few minutes. Um, I, you won't hear that on other radio shows or television shows telling, telling you to tune out. But um, I think, because I wanted to talk about the ending, because that's sort of the most fascinating part, and I think the reason why um, it was it appealed so much to members of the Academy. 
in this movie, Hilary Swank gets injured um, by a, an opponent boxer, not exactly during the fight, but the, the opponent takes uh, a punch at Hillary afterwards. I mean, it sort of wasn't a fair punch, which didn't really get addressed in the movie. Um, to my taste, it didn't, you know, you want to see the bad guy get punished, or bad woman in this case, get punished, and didn't, we didn't really see that. But, but anyway, Hillary gets injured, and she gets injured to a point where um, she not only can't box anymore, but she's um, in a very incapacitated state. And um, she asks Clint Eastwood to to let her die, to do something, to kill her, basically, to, to humanely let her let her die, uh, because there's re- there was really no hope of her uh, recovering much past how she was at, when it got to a certain point. I mean, they kept trying to rehabilitate her, but after a certain point, she lost her leg, and um, she was just you know, there was really, they weren't offering hope that she could get better. Of course, that actually can often be, um, can often be a false prophecy in the sense that uh, I'm sure all of you or most of you have heard stories about people who were given sentences of either death or of not that they weren't going to be able to recover their movement in their limbs or various other uh, conditions where they were told by the doctors that um, they weren't going to get better. And, in fact, people can and do get better all the time, whether you want to call it a miracle or whether you want to call it just perseverance and people refusing to um, take that kind of death sentence or, or sentence of, of not being able to improve. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the power of positive thinking and refusing to see yourself in this condition for the rest of your life. But there are some some limits. And in any case, Hillary's character felt that she was at that limit at that point. And, um, and I think that, and the point of the movie was that it was better for her to have lived, or this is how she felt, and apparently uh, Clint Eastwood and his character by being going along with her wishes obviously agreed with her that it was more important to have a shorter but meaningful life uh, a life where I mean in Hillary's case she won she became a champ she exceeded her her highest expectations or maybe not her highest well her highest before she uh, got in training with Clint, she, she got to the point, she got to be a champ. That's what she wanted to do in her life. That's what she wanted to accomplish. And he helped her. And she felt as though she had attained her dream and she didn't want to keep on living with, in the current condition that she was in. And the point of this being that it isn't, the success of one's life is not necessarily measured in years but in the degree of accomplishment, the degree of reaching your dream, the degree of whatever you think is important, helping other people, being a good mother, a good um, daughter, a good father, a good, you know, whatever, um, reaching a certain point in your career, uh, uh, winning an Oscar, you know, whatever your particular dream is, no one should, should judge your dream, but whatever it is, um, if, if if you attain it, then for a lot of people, that would be sufficient. 
it's not um, it's it's not whoever lives the longest wins, or whoever lives the longest with the most toys win, which is what our society um, generally rewards or generally accepts as being um, as being the winner. And what she did in um, in saying that you know she had she's a, she was ready to close the door on her life because she felt that she had achieved. Um, she had set out a challenge for herself, and she had achieved it. She had worked hard, and she had gotten to that point with a family that was <laughs> not very supportive, to say the least, really difficult family circumstances, and she rose from that and, um, and was able to reach her dream. And that statement that, again, that it's not how long you live and how many toys you have, when you die, but if, whether you've reached your dream and, and that is enough for some people to be able to close their life and, and smile happily and, and, uh, and put, an, put an end, you know, to, this, to their story. And I think, that, um, I think that in our society where we have been seeing a lot of circumstances where people have been dying young, notably the war in Iraq, this whole idea of dying an honorable death, and I'm not going to get into the, you know, the politics of, of the war right now, but, um, but I mean, there's sort of a need in our society to believe um, that the men and women who go to Iraq have not died in vain, that even though they've died young, um, they, one would like to think that they felt, if they were there and they volunteered to go, that they were doing something noble and that um, even though they did not live many years, that they lived a fulfilling life because um, this was something that they believed in and that they could feel proud of, that they um, fought for, that they wanted to do. They attained, you know, you, they attained something that they had wanted to do for a long time and that they felt proud of. And I think it was a way of really... Um, Sort of consoling everybody because I, because it's because on the other hand, while we want to think all that, there's a part of us that thinks that this is not this is very tragic and that that every day there are more uh, bodies that are that are mangled and that are killed. Well, we'll we'll end we'll take a break at that note and um, come back with more on the Oscars, a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success. 
and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your pet's body wants to be healthy. If you give them the encouragement they need and provide them the proper nutrition, your pet will find its own way to optimal health. It's about giving the body the life it needs to take care of itself. It's about veterinary rehabilitation and holistic care with Dr. Ava Frick. Heard every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Veterinary Rehabilitation and Holistic Care is a show dedicated to the health of your pet. Topics to be discussed will include nutrition, pain elimination, acupuncture for animals, and more. Provide your pet with the lifestyle it deserves. Listen to Veterinary Rehabilitation and Holistic Care with Dr. Ava Frick every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Gray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about a psychiatrist's take on the Oscars. We've been talking about the winners and the losers, not only of the awards, but of the events of the evening. And um, I've been talking to you about the Best Picture nominees, uh, starting with Million Dollar Baby. And I just wanted to add about that, that um, yesterday I was listening to talk radio in my car, and um, there was a caller to a show that gave me a totally different perspective on the whole thing. I had kind of felt warm and fuzzy um, after coming out of Million Dollar Baby. And uh, and until I heard this woman talk about how she really didn't like the movie, this is a, a caller into a talk radio show, saying that she didn't like it. She thought it was horrible that uh, travesty, well, she didn't say travesty, but I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, that Million Dollar Baby won because... Um, because she thought it gave the wrong message. And what she took from it was that it gave the message that if you were quadriplegic, uh, you should kill yourself. And her father was a quadriplegic. And she said that what uh, was more noble was the struggle that her family had been going through all these years to try to help her father um, get rehabilitated. And, of course, the struggle that he went through to try to get rehabilitated 
And she thought that it gave this message that instead of, you know, fighting harder, trying to um, rehabilitate yourself more and having a family that helps you, not that her family would have been supportive with that. They just came to the hospital and wanted her to, I mean, not that Hillary Swank's character's family would have been supportive of that. Uh, they just came to the hospital and tried to get her to sign her money away to them. But, but in any case, it is a different um, perspective that uh, is kind of interesting to think about as well. I would, I would urge you to see that movie as well as all the other ones that were nominated for Best Picture. Another one is Ray, the um, biography of Ray Charles, which was just amazing. Um, Jamie Foxx did do an incredible job copying him, mim- mimicking him, whatever the politically <laughs> correct way of emulating him. There you go. Um, in the movie, and uh, it was it was um, it was also very moving. And it in in each of these movies, as is the case in real life, um, you see how an event in your childhood uh, really affects the rest of your life. In um, in Ray, for example, we saw how an incident where um, he was supposed to be watching his little brother and when he and his little brother were outside um, and his little brother, he turned away for a minute and his little brother got into the, into the um, hot water that was, um, a, it was a, a pot, a big, huge pot of water that was... Um, being used for cooking, I believe, or the laundry or something. Anyway, um, Ray was paralyzed, just staring at his brother as he thrashed around in this water and um, didn't save his brother. And that guilt for not saving his brother haunted him for the rest of his life and got him into drugs. I mean, um, of course, well, well, (laughs) another problem was that he was blind. Um, He became blind, and, of course, that... (laughs) hindered him from saving his little brother as well. But um, but it just showed how this guilt haunted him for the rest of his life and um, how he, you know, how even though he became incredibly successful, there were these demons that kept haunting him and caused him to do things to sabotage himself. And um, similarly, we have in The Aviator, the the biography of uh, Howard Hughes, um, we saw at the beginning of the movie um, a scene where he was a little boy and he was being washed um, by his mother with soap, which is usually a good thing to be washed with. (laughs) And and the mother is saying something to him about uh, being, being careful about germs and she gets him to spell the word quarantine. Now, I did some research on this um, when I got back from seeing the movie late last night, and um, because it was not, it was rather confusing. I mean, unless you knew the biography of Howard Hughes, there were a lot of things in that movie that were kind of confusing, notably regarding his childhood. And in fact, um, in real life, Howard Hughes's parents, well, especially his mother, were um, very worried about his health, and there was the polio epidemic going on at that time, and they were worried that he was um, going to get sick, and particularly with with um, polio, or also apparently his mother was also um, worrying especially about his teeth. His feet, 
his digestion and his bowels and um, gave him nightly doses of mineral oil as a laxative. Well, her focusing on germs and on uh, his bowels and giving him a laxative um, it was the, were the seeds of his later developing obsessive-compulsive disorder. Now, I'm not talking about obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, which is a much lesser, uh, more common kind of um, diagnosis or, or personality style that people have um, that isn't necessarily, well, it's only pathological if it really gets in the way um, of your functioning. But obsessive-compulsive disorder is a much more serious disorder, as the movie does um, describe in, in some detail, where um, it, it's totally uh, incapacitating. You, not only are you always cleaning yourself, but you're um, checking things, counting things, um, uh, being afraid of, of sort of superstitious feelings of um, that if you... Uh, if you don't do something or you do do, you know, something like turning off the lights five times or, you know, there are these little rituals that people get convinced themselves um, will have some dire consequences if they don't follow. So, but my point is that um, we didn't always saw was this glimpse, this brief glimpse um, at the beginning of the movie and I think one or two other times during the movie, but just these brief glimpses of him sort of remembering being in that little, uh, being washed by his mother. But there was so much more having to do with his childhood that caused him to be the person that he was. And what did the movie focus on more? Um, it focused more on airplanes flying. I mean, yes, I know. <laughs> Huge aircraft, that's what he did. The aviator. <laughs> yes, of course, it focused on airplanes. <laughs> but, um, you know, it kind of lost, um, it would have had much more meaning had you understood more from his childhood, such as um, what happened to him when he went to summer camp and, and was separated from his parents and the fact that his parents died. I mean, they did show his, the fact that his parents, well, you got the impression that both of them were dead at the beginning of the movie, but he didn't understand why and how and the fact that that made him even more concerned about his own longevity because of his parents dying relatively young. Um, all of this was totally missed. Now, to come full circle, that is what I was talking about at the beginning uh, about how the Academy Awards missed the heart, missed the, the psychological um, seeds of um, of of the awards, you know, didn't really give time for the people to make their award speeches, which were deeply, deeply personal. Um, Hillary Swank and Jamie Foxx, as I described, managed to get in some incredibly personal, meaningful, uh, moving speeches in their, you know, in their short time allotment. Um, but that was pretty much all, except for one other person who talked about it. I don't remember who it was because he was in the audience. He talked about... Um, uh, having watched the Academy Awards since he was eight years old and rehearsing his Academy Awards speech. Of course, probably when he was, everything's having to do with water and bathtubs. <laughs> when he was in his bathtub at eight years old, thinking about his Academy Awards speech, he probably didn't dream of doing it from the floor of the auditorium, which is unfortunately where he was given his award, so that they could speed on and um, get to what they thought were the more compelling parts of the show, the crassness. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, 
So we've come full circle, um, and I hope that you will go out to see the movies again. The other ones that I didn't mention um, again just now that you really should see that were nominated for Best Picture, Finding Neverland, Sideways, um, all five of them you should go out and see, any that you missed, because uh, they were all worthwhile. And a much better pick, a much better group than um, than, than usual in terms of at least they're being nonviolent and more psychologically minded, although even they could be improved. Well, it's almost time for uh, me to say goodbye. I want to remind you um, that if you would like to tune in, and uh, unless, unless they're, they're going to be breaking news and so it's preempted in the next 20 minutes, but in 20 minutes approximately, you can tune into Court TV, and I will be there talking about uh, the Michael Jackson trial and uh, the day's events and my connection to um, to having um, created an investigation, started an investigation into uh, this current accuser. So you can tune into that. And if not, um, tune in next week at the uh, same time, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 Pacific Standard Time. Tune into Voice America where you can, uh, again, listen to Dr. Carol's Couch. And uh, to me, your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And I hope, again, that uh, this has given you some food for thought and that when you go out and see some of the movies that you haven't seen before, oh, also, go to see Phantom of the Opera if you can still find it playing anywhere because that was a winner, too, in my eyes. So don't forget that one. Again, this is Dr. Carol Lieberman, your psychiatrist host, and I look forward to being back with you again next week. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.